Outlet Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Well, hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. The Profile is brought to you in association with the magazine that I write for and help edit. It's premierchristianity.com. If you head to our website right now, you can get a free sample copy of the latest issue. Just head to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. But today on The Profile, I'm delighted to say that I have a very special guest in Mike McHarg, who is better known in some circles as Science Mike. And today on The Profile, we're going to hear his incredible testimony of how he was a Christian for a long time, how he went away from faith, and then how he came back again. It really is quite a remarkable testimony. So let's get into it. So, Mike, tell me about life growing up. Did you have any kind of Christian faith growing up? I did. I was a Southern Baptist, which is a conservative evangelical tradition in the United States. Uh, the largest of the evangelical denominations, mm. and boy, I loved it. You know, I um, prayed every day. I uh, was saved when I was seven years old. I said a prayer of salvation. I was baptized that year, um, and that was a, a really grounding thing for me. I was a, a nerd, a really unpopular kid at school, and my faith offered me not only a sense of meaning and purpose, but of belonging and inclusion. I was, a, I was a, a, a very devout child, if you can believe that. In your teens, did, did that sort of Christian faith continue? It did. Um, as a teenager goes, I wasn't all that rebellious. I certainly went through my own processing. But my belief in God or the value I placed in my relationship with Christ never wavered as a teenager. Um, and I, you know... I would have filled the pulpit at church sometimes as a teenager. I spoke often in our youth and college groups, um, played in the worship band, and then was extremely involved at uh, kind of all levels of church uh, throughout those years. So at what point for you did, I guess, things sort of start to change um, and, and faith sort of you know, didn't look so certain anymore? Well, I was 30 uh, when you kind of think you have all those things worked out, but you're still young enough that you're not even contemplating what a midlife crisis could be like. You're in a period of stability. Mm. And uh, my dad, who was a music minister at our church, had an affair, decided he was going to leave my mom. And I wanted to turn to the scriptures to see how I could respond to that and how I could help dad be reconciled back to a proper relationship with Christ. And uh, since I'm a nerd, you know, we try to win the day with superior information. So I wanted to make sure I had a great handle on everything in the entire Bible. Wow. So I decided to read it cover to cover. When I looked at a daily Bible reading plan, I, I realized it wasn't very much reading. Yeah. So I decided to read four days of an annual Bible reading plan every day, which gave me the Bible in three months. I did that four times in a row. And by the end of the process, uh, I was an atheist. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that level of biblical scrutiny, even though I've been a person who always read the Bible my whole life, every day. I'd never read it with that level of scrutiny, mm. and I'd never read it independently. I'd always had a study guide or a Sunday school curriculum, 
that would kind of guide me through the Bible's contents. And in this case, it was just me and the text, mm. and uh, and it didn't go well. What was it specifically that you were reading that was unsettling you and, and sort of turned you off Christianity completely? Oh, there's, there's so many things. Um, first and easy was the kind of differing ways that the Bible and science uh, present how the world was made and how the world operates. Mm. Next, it was places I thought were apparent contradictions in Scripture. For example, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 outline a different order of events in which the world was created, which to me and the way I understood Bible would mean that God was contradicting God. I found uh, the morality of God troubling when I read about the post-Exodus entry of the nation of Israel into the Promised Land and what appeared in the pages to be genocide uh, attached to that process that was God-ordained, the way God spoke of slavery. And even at some point when I got to the New Testament, the very idea that the only way God could avoid sending people to hell for all eternity was to have his son murdered seemed uh, brutal and uh, savage and Mm -hmm. frightening. Uh, Now, part of the reason I was interpreting the scripture so darkly is as I was reading, I would read what apologists had to say to address these issues, but because I was using Google as a research tool, I was also reading what skeptics and atheists had to say, and I found their arguments increasingly compelling as time went on. You sort of made that decision, as you say, that you you didn't believe in God anymore. How how did that affect your your life? Because presumably, you know, you're involved in in church, and Christianity was a core part of of who you were for many years. So it must have been quite a a kind of drastic change for you. Yeah, and at first it was uh, a secret. I couldn't tell anybody that a Southern Baptist deacon and Sunday school teacher didn't believe in God. I mean, what would my wife think? What would my parents think? What would the high school seniors in my Sunday school class think? Mm. Um, I couldn't imagine wrecking those people's faith by telling them that mine was gone. So for a couple of years, two full years, I just pretended to be a Christian, which was alienating and isolating and a bit depressing. So if you can imagine, I'm sure many uh, people know what it's like to feel very close to God, to feel that God is real, to fear that God cares for you. And when you lose that from that kind of faith, it feels like a death. It feels like a loss you have to grieve. And now imagine that a loved one has died and you can't tell anyone. You have to hide that grief, what that would do to you. And that, that's what my two years of kind of secret atheism were like. Towards the end of that, uh, my wife kind of figured out that I didn't believe anymore. And she told my mom. And then there was this small group of people in my life who knew that I didn't believe anymore, which was much more stressful, but at the same time, kind of a relief. I started to imagine a day when I didn't pretend to be a Christian anymore and I was public with my disbelief and separated from the church. And after a couple years of hiding, that seemed very alluring and refreshing. During the time, though, when when no one knew that you were this sort of secret atheist, did you struggle with the sort of, I guess, almost the dishonesty in that? I mean, there must have been a sort of real reason why you felt like you couldn't, as you put it, go public. I didn't want to hurt them. And 
you also understand I've just lost God, so I don't know why I have any morality. My morality was centered on divine law, on God's teachings. Right. And I hadn't built a new um, moral or ethical framework. I was basically a, an ethical nihilist. Mm. So whatever would let me be most comfortable and avoid pain for my friends and family seemed right to me. Uh, so I felt icky at first, but I ultimately adapted and was comfortable, but lonely. It's been said by some other people in the past that it is possible to kind of pretend to be a Christian in the sense that it is, some people would argue, quite easy to kind of just go through the motions, sing the right songs, even pray the prayers, but it, for, for it not to really change your life. It, do you kind of resonate with that opinion? Is that, is that some of what was going on? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's incredibly easy if you understand Christian teachings. I mean, what do we think of as a as a, a good follower of Christ in the 21st century? Like, they come to church consistently, they sing when we all sing, they volunteer for a couple of committees, they pray when asked. Um, these are not these are not difficult things to emulate. Um, and as someone who'd been a Christian my whole life, my understanding of the Bible and of Christian theology was, in fact, quite rich and sophisticated. Mm. Uh, and I'd learned more about the Bible and more about different ideas in Christian scholarship about God mm. through my process of losing God than I'd known as a believer. Wow. So outwardly, uh, I was more devout than I'd ever been. My Sunday school lessons were more powerful, more persuasive, more full of cultural imagery and original language and uh, texture and nuance. I think this may speak in some way to uh, how we put the emphasis on the wrong parts of our faith today. Just sort of going back to the narrative, so you reached this point where you, I think you said after about two years, you, you told your wife, you, you kind of came out as, a, as an atheist to your wife. We were just uh, sitting on the couch one night, had the kids in bed, TV on, and she looked at me and I could tell that Something was coming because she was looking at me very in, intently. She says, is there anything wrong with you? And I said, no, nothing, nothing's wrong with me. She said, no, really, it seems, it seems like something's going on. Can you tell me what's going on? I said, I'm fine. Nothing's going on. And she said, well, is it me? And, you know, her eyes kind of welled up with tears. And I said, oh, gosh, no, it's not you. And then she said, well, it's something, right? So she kind of put me in a, a, a wife trap a little bit, <laughs> and uh, I went for it. And so I said, it's no big deal. I just don't believe in God anymore. And she, she was shocked. I mean, I couldn't have said anything more shocking to her in that moment. And she started to take me through the Roman road, which is a, a means of evangelism mm -hmm. that we do in the States. She kind of laid out the nature and character of God, Christ, the necessity for salvation, and she kind of finished her speech, which probably took 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And she said, so how are you? And I said, I I'm good. She said, do you believe in God again? I said, no, not at all. <clears throat> and that really was an uneasy moment that this was not going to be reconciled between us. We'd never had anything like that in our marriage. The next day, uh, we kind of slept on it. And the next day we were talking again, and she said, I don't know if we can be married um, because this felt like such a betrayal to her. And there's these ideas about 
what love is at all and can people love without God that that's very tied up in, in our faith. I told her that I loved her more than I'd ever loved her and that no longer did she play second fiddle to an imaginary God. Like she was what I loved most in the world. And I would, pr- I could prove it. I could say, look at, look at our relationship. How do I treat you compared to how I've treated you in the past? And you have my word. I can pretend to be a Christian for the rest of my life. I can teach Sunday school. I can play in the worship band. No one ever has to know that this is going on. And you don't have to worry about our marriage falling apart. You don't have to worry about us being, you know, uh, kicked out of our church community or, or you going to church alone. I can keep up the motions forever if that's what makes you happy. I think that was kind of a melancholy comfort for her. <laughs> uh, it's not what she wanted, but she didn't know what else to do. So tell me what happened next. Presumably you didn't stay that way forever. No, I did not. Uh, I went to a conference on creativity, mainly attended by pastors. Okay. Okay which made me very uneasy. <laughs> but the guy leading the conference is a American pastor named Rob Bell. He's also an author. Yeah. And uh, he is famous for creativity. <laughs> Absolutely well-known mm-hmm. for high creative output. And I was working in advertising in those days. And if I could like steal his recipe for consistent creativity, it would make it easier to feed my family. So kind of weighed pros and cons, decided to go. And my plan was just kind of to run silent, like nuclear submarine silent. Nobody remember me that I was there. No questions about or discussions about faith because the the advertising for the event was it's all about creativity. It's not about Christianity. So it was. It was this incredibly insightful time of learning about the creative process until they started to discuss the Enlightenment. And then they started to discuss atheism. And I found it offensive as an atheist, some of the things they would say about atheism as a belief system. So I stood up and confronted them. I said I was a Southern Baptist atheist, and they had a lot of things wrong. And they were incredibly gracious uh, to my speech. <laughs> uh, Rob especially. Rob challenged me to, to look at some of my assumptions. He challenged me to address the longing I obviously felt on some level for mystery and something bigger than than what we understood through physics and then uh then we finished the conference and uh then i had uh a couple of crazy things happen we were going to take the eucharist and i didn't want to so i decided i'd go up and shake rob's hand to say thanks for the time and when i go to shake rob's hand he holds out a piece of bread which is what you do in the eucharist uh but i didn't want to take that because i didn't want to create like an email forward story about an atheist who meets God at a conference, right? <laughs> it's a yeah. bunch of pastors here, and I don't want to be that that, that story. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of turn to walk away, and I hear a voice um, that says, I was there when you were eight, and I'm here now. And, uh, and I want to be very clear, I didn't hear it like in my mind's voice. Like To me, it sounded audible. And uh, I thought about being like a bullied kid and praying every day at recess and how when all the kids wanted to beat me up, Jesus always listened. Mm. And I I didn't believe in Jesus, but I remembered making it through the day because of the name Jesus. 
I'm so kind of very confused, very overwhelmed by hearing this voice. I take the bread, I dip it in the cup, and I take the Eucharist. And I literally like run out of the room sobbing. I mean, I was really stirred up. So a few hours later, I'm standing on the beach. It's like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's foggy, so it's just like a black soup of a night, right? And I'm, I start to pray, like looking out into the waves of the Pacific Ocean. And it's really a, a I'm having an out with God. I tell God that um, if God exists, he, God's a logical contradiction. <laughs> that it, that the, the claims people make about God are nonsense. And that if the, the Bible is true, that... Uh, God, you sound immoral because how could you command genocide and how could you answer prayer in my life? How could you send me here to hear a voice speak while uh, other people are praying for much more dire things that are life and death and those prayers will go unanswered? And I, I was very upset and angry and I told God I didn't know what was happening, but I knew that I missed talking with God. And I said, no matter what happened, I feel like I met Jesus again tonight. And when I said that, um, a wave kind of came up the beach and washed my feet. And uh, I was reminded of an image that Rob had used to introduce the Eucharist, where he said the final act of service for Christ before the crucifixion was to wash the feet of his followers. And I felt in that wave like I was marked as a follower again. And then I had an intense mystical experience. Um, so I, I saw like a light kind of shining through reality. <laughs> uh, it's really hard to explain. And I felt warmth and I felt God's love for me. I felt God's love for everyone. Time kind of stopped. So I lost any sense of, of temporality and physical presence. And I was just in this light uh, for how long? I don't even know. Mm. And then it stopped. And I'm just standing on the beach going, what was that? <laughs> Thinking back to when you were a Christian, were, were those sorts of experiences on your horizon? I mean, sort of e even theologically, were you, were you open to that kind of thing? I'd never had a mystical experience that strong, but I'd always had really profound experiences of God's presence. Like mm. when I received salvation at seven, I definitely felt God's prompting clearly. Mm. Um, I would have time of prayer where God felt physically present. You know, I, I can remember a, a missionary came to speak at our church about his work in Guatemala, and I felt like somebody had like attached a tow cable to my chest and was just pulling me out of the chair. Mm. And I knew that God was calling me to visit Guatemala and partner in that ministry. And, that, that, you know, I, and yeah, theologically, I was prepared for that. Sure. It, you know, it's kind of funny for people that are so intensely faith-based they're actually relatively uncomfortable with supernatural events i think that's the biggest difference between like a charismatic tradition yeah. and, a, and a baptist tradition yeah. is um, charismatics are very into these very large displays of god's presence and baptists almost want us want all that to happen consistently and rationally and yeah. <laughs> um but but the bible is so full of events where God interacts with creation. The Bible is so full of moments where God's presence is known through these kind of visions and miracles that uh, it just seemed completely normal to me. It just seemed like how one of the ways God speaks to creation. That's as a Baptist. Yes. On the beach, the experience was 
not something I was ready for. Um, I thought I might have a brain tumor. I actually got a CAT scan, yeah, because I was so worried there was something wrong with my oh, brain. Wow. Uh, and when there wasn't, that's when I started to figure out what that light was. Uh, for many people, you are known as Science Mike. Um, uh, <laughs> Which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sort of rational scientific mind that you have, you know, is, is clearly a very important part of who you are. Hence, you wanting to get a CAT scan and check there wasn't a sort of scientific explanation for that experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, at that point in my life, science was how I understood the world exclusively. I didn't have a, a, a mental space or, or, or foundation for any sort of supernatural or spiritual event. And, uh, and having such an event, absent a brain lesion or tumor, um, made me understand that the way I saw the world was incomplete and I needed to get a, a new hypothesis to match my working data. So how long ago was that experience on the beach? Uh, first half of 2012. What was the sort of difference that coming back to Christian faith, what kind of difference has that made for you? It's made all the difference in the world. My faith is completely different. I mean, we have to start there. My Baptist faith, and I'm not saying this is all Baptist, I'm talking about me, but my Baptist faith was about a theological mastery, an understanding of the Bible, of God, of the world, God's mission, God's plan, all those things in detail with certainty. And today my faith is much more humble and trusting. Mm. I never feel like I have God figured out. I never feel like I'm the expert on God's ideas or plan for the world. I am a student and a follower of Jesus. I'm not the teacher. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But in terms of, of how my life has changed, that 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 moment on the beach was so powerful. It changed the way I see the world and see other people. I see God's reflection in all, all of humanity. And that's, that's hard to distance myself from. And I experience a um, profound sense of gratitude for every moment that I get to live and to exist and to be conscious in a, in a human body is a really rare and fleeting and beautiful thing, which is informed both by science and by my faith. Um, but ultimately, I guess the most comforting thing about my return to faith is my need for spirituality, my need for God, is no longer at odds with the way I view the world scientifically, and that allows me to be a person who is much more at peace, and therefore a person is much more able to live out uh, a devotion to the gospel. Mm. I was talking to someone else, and they said, oh, the, the great thing about Mike's testimony is that it's it's not like some other testimonies you hear in in that it's quite sort of almost simplistic, like, oh, I used to believe this, now I believe that. Yours, is, it seems to be much more, well, yes, I was a Christian before, and yes, I wasn't, but the kind of Christianity I've now come back to is still quite different, I guess, from the Christianity you started with. Is, is that a kind of fair assessment? Oh, it's completely fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that speaks to something that we as a denominational faith tend to ignore. And that's that there's many ways to be a Christian. Mm. There's many ways to understand the Bible. And when we train our children and our families and our community that there's just the one way to relate to God, 
when that starts to come apart, the only option for them is to leave faith behind. Yeah. And I'm really encouraged by people in all Christian denominations today who are doing a better job understanding the history of our faith, the relationship between different traditions, and to ground uh, their faith within a historic profession. And uh, I think that allows people a deeper faith and one that's actually more robust and not less. Mm. Looking back on that time where you were a Sunday school, a kind of atheist Sunday school teacher, if you like, because you said, you know, you carried on teaching and going to church. Like, how, how do you view that now? Do you, do you think, well, God, God can sort of still, still use me in my, in my atheism, you know, to teach, to teach those kids or, or whatever? Like, I was a good Sunday school teacher. I talked to kids who were, had very serious doubts about God, but they were questions I already wrestled with and already knew the church's answers to. Right, I see. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it's like to actually be apart from God. I think as an atheist, I experienced the separation, but I think God was always there, just yeah. waiting to be recognized. I, I think there are, are ways we can drive the presence of God out of our life, but those those are times when we are volitionally wreaking havoc in the world and destroying God's peace. Um, but I don't think that's, I don't think doubt is what that looks like. The book is out and, um, you know, you're obviously doing interviews like these and continuing to speak. And I just, just would love to know what's, do you feel a sort of sense of calling or do you feel you have a particular hope for, for the book? Like where, where do you view yourself right now in terms of your, your faith and what you're called to do? This has all been an accident. <laughs> I, had a, I had a really good advertising job uh, that I loved. I didn't have any aspirations to be a, an author or a speaker or a podcaster. Yeah, It's just I started telling my story and the phone kept ringing. And as that's happened, I've reflected. And I think my work is about helping people make peace between how they see God and how science describes the world. Mm-hmm. And, and the book is part of that and the podcasts are part of that. And my, my hope for the book is twofold. One, that people who are going through some kind of faith transition or some period of doubt or even have total loss of God may find solidarity and comfort in its pages. Uh, but I would also hope, and that this is happening, uh, is that Christians and atheists and, uh, and, and people of different beliefs could read this book to get a better understanding of each other and the science, especially the cognitive science and the neuroscience behind why people believe in God, why people are Christians, and why people don't believe in God. Mm. And that that better sense of understanding could facilitate better conversations and, frankly, a better coexistence of all these different ways of viewing the world. Well, thanks so much, Mike McHarg. It's been fantastic to talk. Mike McHarg there, also known as Science Mike, and his book, his story, is out right now. It's called Finding God in the Waves. It's published by Hodder and Stoughton, so why not check that out? But coming up next this afternoon on The Profile, Stephanie Rose is going to be talking to another Mike, Mike Weave from Big Daddy Weave, so stay tuned for that. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hi, I'm Stephanie Rose and you're listening to The Profile on Premier Christian Radio in association with Premier Christianity magazine. 
I'm joined by Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. How did it all begin? What was your childhood like? Uh, I grew up in a, a Christian home. My mom and dad believers, um, and not just in the way that you talk about being a Christian, but they lived that in front of us, a, a very real love for Jesus, um, a relationship with Jesus. Amazing. Um, man, growing up in school as the chubby kid, you know, was always, <laughs> the, that was like, oh man, that was terror, you know? I never, I never loved being in school. I was in school, I was complete introvert, you know, but at home with my family and at church with the family of God, I was always very, very, very much at ease. And I loved growing up that way. It was beautiful. So um, just going back to your your school time, how did you cope with that then? You know, maybe bullying and just going through quite a large chunk of your life at school and having to deal with that, but having such a great home life. How did you balance that? I was I was just trying to get through it. You know, I'm like, look, this only this this many more years, you know, or whatever, until we're done with school. One day left. (laughs) Yes. Later in in my high school years, uh, they began to uh, school me at home with my best friend. And instead of kind of the, uh, you know, you need to fit in with everybody or be whatever that mold is, um, man, I was surrounded by a group of folks who really said, you can you can be whatever it is that God says you're supposed to be. And that was a life-changing thing for me. Um, and uh, when we went to college, uh, I was studying uh, music in college and met all the rest of the guys in Big Daddy Weave. And literally, we've been playing music together and leading worship together. This is going to be 18 years this fall. And That's so, amazing. Well, you know what? Let's explore it. that a little bit more. Yeah, then. yeah. Big Daddy Weave. Incredible. Yeah. We play you on all three of our stations. Oh, really, amazing. really Thank great you so music. How did it all begin? How did you know and when did you know that music was your thing and your calling? You know, um, I grew up in a little Methodist church um, and... My parents were in every lay position in that church, um, including finally like custodians, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, we we had a I had a very traditional upbringing in church, but then we visited a place that kind of moved in more of the gifts. Um, and there was a, a night during the worship uh, when it was just a sweet time, and the man who'd been sharing said, man, everyone who feels called into the mission field, and then he points me out as like a 12-year-old. He says, and you, and I was terrified. You know, he said, come come down here. And uh, I thought he was going to tell my parents every, you know, bad thing that I'd been It's that moment, isn't it, where you think, what have I done wrong? I'm like, I'm found out. I'm completely (laughs) found out, you know? And when I got down there, he just said, man, this may sound crazy to you, but he said, I saw musical notes written on your face while we were in the worship time. And he just said, I know that you're going to write songs. And he says, and it's God who's who's bringing this out of you. They'll take you away from your home, even to a foreign land. And he said, you know, that uh, just so that you know, not everybody's going to like it. He said, don't worry about the ones that don't. Just know that it's God who's called you to this, you know, and that he's going to show people his love through you. Um, man, I was just so glad that he wasn't telling on me, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I really just set the whole thing aside and I was like, well, whatever, you know, that's great. And the Lord's really done that. Um, we've been blown away. I can't believe after this many years, we still get to do this. And I can't believe that I'm sitting here with you. I can't believe I'm sitting here with you. No, Mutual. See, you know, all this, after all this time, man, getting to share about what God's done. It's really, it's really awesome how he works. You that's know? really brilliant. So let's go to that moment. Your, your 12 year old self and he, mm. he calls you up and he says, you, mm-hmm. this is what I believe your call is. Yes. You're going to get involved in music. How did you process that? How did it feel? And when did you get to a point where you really developed that? Well, you know, it was just a very natural thing because I loved music. And then, you know, around that time, these little songs just began to arrive. You can pick out little melodies on the little piano. Little songs, massive songs, incredible yeah. songs. Oh, <laughs> you know, well, it, does, it doesn't always start there, right? You know? mm-hmm. That's so um, true. But I, but I love it because God takes us from here and he, he works like that. You know, when Jesus showed up, he wasn't, you know, Jesus, the son of God. Jesus came as a little baby, you know. And that investment, that seed of God that is in every one of us, that's growing into something more until we learn how, man, it may not even be this side of heaven, who we walk in the fullness of what it is that, that Jesus really has provided for us, you know? But so, you know, you bloom where you're planted. In church, I was given the opportunity to play music, and, and then that's how, that's how it wound up in church and in school, and then finally in, in college where I met the rest of the guys in Big Daddy Weave, and we've been leading worship ever since. That's incredible. So let's really delve into your faith then. I've been brought mm-hmm. up in a Christian family as well. So sometimes it's easy for us to just fall into that nice little Christian family mm-hmm. and you don't actually experience God for yourself or it may take quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So for you, how did you explore faith yourself? When was that moment where you thought, that's it, I want to follow you, God, I'm giving you my life? Yes. You know what? I, I grew up knowing all of the right answers. Um, and I did. My mom and dad lived that out, um, but that was their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can't have your mom and dad's faith. There's a moment when it becomes yours. Um, and for me, it was as a young man, probably in my late teenage years, sitting on the couch, um, and I had this moment. Where I just watched a, a cartoon retelling of the story of Moses. DreamWorks mm-hmm. put it out. It was called The Prince of Egypt. And the point at the burning bush where, you know, you hear God whisper to Moses, Moses, you know. I literally left the movie in the other room, and I went and I sat on my couch, and I said, God, I know all kinds of things about you, but I don't really know you. I feel as empty as someone who's never even heard your name, you know. Um, If you're really real, will you come and reveal yourself to me? And Stephanie, it was like he filled up my living room with his presence, he began to show me things, um, you know, in nature, you know, and I'm not really an outdoorsy kind of guy. I'm sitting in a very nice and cool room sweating like, you know, <laughs> like we're outdoors trying to climb a mountain. You know? <laughs> but the truth is he showed me all of these things. He showed me oceans and mountains. And, and man, I heard his voice for the first time, that still small voice that's undeniable. And he says, Michael, you, you know, I want this relationship with you more than you could ever want it with me, you know? I made all of this because I want you to know me. And that was the beginning of a real uh, 
walk with Jesus, you know? That's incredible. So for somebody who's listening, watching right now, and they're thinking, I want that encounter with God. I want to experience that. And I'm really trying, but I don't really know mm. how, how that happens. What yeah. would be your advice to them? You know what? Here's the deal. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, there's so much religious jargon, um, but it comes down to this. Um, if you, everybody can realize that emptiness on the inside of them. It, it's a thing that we try to fill by finding the right job or meeting the right people or, you know, we feel like we can just achieve this whatever, you know, and we always find that that lets us down. We're still empty on the inside. Man, if you're to that place where you're empty, just cry out to God where you're at. It just as simply as we're talking right here. God, I need you. God, I want to know you. I don't know how he'll do it, but I guarantee you, he will realize himself to you. And then that's something no one can ever take away from you. You know, I don't have all the answers, but I know where to turn. And my life verse has been this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. You Amen know? to that. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and then He'll make your path straight. Stephanie, we have been the firsthand you know, recipients of God working the, re- the reality of that verse out in our lives. You know, Because when we don't know what to do, I'm telling you, we're like, God, all we have is you, you know? And sure enough, man, he always sees us through. I don't know how he'll, he'll realize himself to you if you're listening to this, but, but he'll do it, man, because he's faithful and he wants you to know him even more than you want to know him. Yeah. That's really brilliant. I mean, sitting here chatting to you is so incredible because you're, you're just so lively, so encouraging. You know, there's so much about you that you just, I just want to talk to you all day, which, which we can't, but I'd love to. But let's just talk about when you were at school, you know, you found it hard. You were that kid at school. You felt like you didn't really fit in. So many people have probably gone through that as well and are at a point where they're so damaged by that and they don't know how to move forward. So how did you move forward? Was that because you had such a great Christian family or was it just um, a unique encounter with God where he just completely healed you from your past? How did you move forward? You know, I wish it was that mm. point where God just, just snapped his fingers and it was gone. Mm. But honestly, to tell you that I don't deal with that kind of stuff, even sitting here right here today in this studio mm. would not be true. But it's learning really how to embrace who Jesus says that we are over who we think that we are, you know? In school, it was terrible because I just tried to disappear. Um, I tried to just, uh, you know, basically, uh, I didn't want to be seen by anybody. I wouldn't. I didn't want to be in front of anybody. In fact, God had to kind of trick me into the whole music thing by leading worship because I was like, hey, they're not supposed to look at me. So when I'd get up in front of people, you know, I wouldn't be ashamed of the way that I look because I'm like going, hey, close your eyes and let's just sing this to Jesus. Right? God's got a sense of humor, hasn't it? it it's, really, it's, really, it's really crazy, you know. Um, and even even in moments like this, when it's like the camera is on and all that stuff, that all of those insecurities want to come back. But I, but I answer the door and I answer the call because I know God is greater than all of my insecurity. And the only reason I know that is because I've experienced him firsthand. There were years out of my life, even answering the call, even going and playing when, man, I just hated myself. Um, and I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. I really didn't. Uh, I knew that Jesus loved me. But I didn't realize that agreeing with what Jesus says about me meant that I needed to um, change the way that I look at myself, you know, also. 
And there was this day when I hated myself worse than I could ever remember. And I was sitting down in the garage below our house. I mean, this is after we have, I have children, I have a wife, I have family. I mean, God's done nothing but bless my life. But I still hate myself and I still can't measure up to this thing that I have in my own mind, this standard that I've somehow created. You know, and I'm sitting in my garage telling God everything that I hate about myself. I mean, and I've got a list too. I'm just listing it out. And literally, Holy Spirit interrupted that pity party or whatever it was that I was having in my garage. And he showed up, and again, with the still, small voice that I, that I knew since I was a young man. Um, he said, Michael, you need to let me tell you what I think about you for once. That's incredible. And he said, um, I was ready for this really grandiose yeah. thing. Um, but what he said is he said, I like the way that you smile. <laughs> You have got a great smile. When he said this, he said, I love your heart for people because I put that in you. And he showed me that day, he said, for you to see yourself some other way than I see you is like telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. And so that day, something happened, Stephanie, and it wasn't like it all went away in this instant. But what happened is that day, I just began to agree with him. And he took down this wall that I'd been building up between me and his love somehow. Because for me not to see myself the way he sees me is sort of like thinking I knew better than him and sort of resisting his love in that way, you know? It's incredible. Um, yeah. uh, first off, I think that we should have been brief that we may get a little bit teary huh? here. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> good I brought a towel. You can use it if you need it. Do you know what I love about this, though? That, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, so true. You know, life things get thrown at us all the time good bad in between mm-hmm. you know what it's about just being able to be humble in that and know that god's gonna pull us through no matter what we're going through yes. it may still hurt us later yes. down the line we may get emotional yes. thinking back to it but you know what you're in a place where god has moved in your life and that's incredible an incredible testimony for people that are listening and watching to be able to go if he can do it I can do it. And that's so incredible. And it's so wild because when you say the word humble, Mm. I had this really messed up idea about what humble was. I thought that humility was this self-deprecating thing, you know? So I would use like self-deprecating humor all the time to just sort of be a shield for me and to go out in front of me. And I still do it sometimes just because it's really funny. I'm having to learn the difference between what is that defense mechanism and what really is just just good fun. But man, you know, the Lord showed me that real humility isn't putting ourselves down. Really, that's backdoor pride. It's still making it all about us, really. Everything ends up being all about us when we live in that self-deprecating place, self-hating place. What what he says, I think, real humility is, is just agreeing with whatever it is that he says. You know, God, what, what do you say about me? All right, then. Then that's what I believe today because I bow my life in front of you because you know best, right? Because you're God. That's a prerequisite of being God. You, you're always right, you know? And so, so we true. just, we're learning how to agree with him. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So let's just delve into that a little bit more then. Sure. You know, you're very successful. You've got some absolutely incredible music out, which I'm sure people that are watching and listening right now have probably heard of, which is brilliant. But how do you keep yourself grounded? How do you keep yourself? There's so many temptations in this world, whatever it may be, whether it's possessions, money, whatever. How do you keep yourself completely focused on the big man upstairs? You know, I think that 
um, the stuff that we struggle with, with that self-hatred thing, the not feeling enough thing, it kind of creates this, this tension that I always have to be in front of God about, you know, because the moment I walk away from that and I think I've got it going on, man, he lets me fall flat on my face. You know, I just, I can't do it without him. I really, I can't, you know, um, you know, and I thank the Lord because it's never that we're ever in a place where we don't need God, right? Mm -hmm. One of the greatest gifts to us is being able to see and realize our need for God. So that's where our insecurities that used to be the thing that overwhelm us and the the thing that destroy us can now become our best friends and remind us that we can't do this on our own, remind us that we have to rely on Jesus, you know? That's so wonderful. Let's talk about your identity in Christ. And this is a topic that you love to talk about. Yes. Let's just delve into that. Go for it. It's the love of God. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all rooted in the love of God. God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. So what do you have? What do you have that you throw up in the face of God and you say, no, 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 I can't be yours. I can't be, you know, I mean, whatever you say that I am because of this. Jesus already paid for it all literally before we were ever even walking on the earth. Isn't that beautiful? I'm telling you. And that's that's the beauty of the sacrifice while we were still messed up like we were. He didn't come and fix us first and then say, well, now you can be mine, you know? He came to our lowest point and met us where we were so that now we can just we just need to receive his love, you know, because that's what changes everything. I think sometimes the church gets it a little backwards, at least in America. You know, I can't really speak for, for over here. <laughs> no, very similar here as well. It's Definitely. like we, we kind of want we get sort of angry at people for not living the right way when <laughs> they don't even know Jesus. <laughs> How messed up is that when we still don't get it right and we do yeah. know Jesus and we're still holding yeah. the standard over people about, you know, and I think that that's what God wants to get through first to the church is that, man, you just need to love people where they're at because that's exactly what Jesus does. He reaches down into the depths and he pulls us out from that, you know, and and if we ever think that we're someplace other than that we're fooling ourselves you know because that's where humility comes into it as well isn't it when you love someone where they're at yes then it humbles yourself to remember that we're not better than anyone just because we're christians we're all the same it's just what we need to do is bring people to know god and that's what i love about you because your heart's like on fire for god which is incredible you know because i've experienced his love Mm -hmm. and that's the difference i think that's the difference when you talk to people about it too people know the difference between somebody who's saying something that they heard once before versus something that they really experienced man because i've been in a place um where i where i know the yuck of self-hatred i know that stuff man i know also the beauty of his love for us and the relief that comes when we just receive you know what it is that he's done for us and learn how to walk with him in a new way man oh my gosh there's just such the pressure's off at that point you know and we can really just get to living you know otherwise it seems like we're always trying we're trying to get to this place rather than realizing jesus already provided that place for us in him now we just receive that and then it becomes a lot easier just to love those people that we so easily want to you know, unload on otherwise, right? So true. It's so true. So let's talk about what's coming up in the future then. Big Daddy Weave, what's to come? Where are you heading next? I know you're on a flying visit at the moment here, (laughs) but where's life taking you next? 
you know, we're in the middle of tour back home in the States. Uh, I love, I love that. Every night, um, we get to play music and that's great. But honestly, I think at some point the music can go by the wayside. I mean, I don't know. I will always probably write songs, but what I am addicted to is seeing God pour out his love on the lives of people, people who are just in the middle of giving up on themselves. They come out to the show. That's the people we, I heard somebody say this and I really agree with this. He said, you know, if you have a heart for the broken people, you'll never lack an audience. And that's, that's who we want our audience to be. You know, um, cool has never really been in our repertoire. I think Uh, you're pretty cool. Yeah. you (laughs) You know, but, Real, I think, is what people gravitate towards. We're not trying to pretend to be something that we're not. We're just messed up guys, you know? But thank God for his mercy. And we just get to, my favorite part of the show every night is when we just get to pray over people at the end. And we just say, hey, what do you got, man? Are you hurting? And maybe sometimes the Lord gives us something specific to talk about or ask about. Um, but man, seeing people, uh, you know, seeing the light come on, when they really believe, hey, you know, I really am loved by God. And that changes, that changes everything. That's the part of it I want to be around for the rest of my life. You know, I love it. I love that. So, okay, I've got a bit of a question for somebody who's not a musician that's not on the stage uh-huh. in the same way as you are. So, uh, you know, you see in the movie, you see on music videos, you stood on stage and you have that moment uh-huh. where you just see someone in the distance. Do you ever have that moment where you look out on the crowd, you can just see people worshipping God? Mm. Do you ever have that moment of realisation that... Wow, this is for God's glory. Yeah, you know what my favorite is in that is when his presence is real in the room. You know, and God's everywhere. He's never not going to be, you know, he doesn't have to leave one place to go to another. He's everywhere. But there's something about when a room full of people get it. And we start just, we just start magnifying him. We just start adoring him. God, we just thank you for who you are. You know, we thank you for what you've done and we praise you for who you are. That he just becomes so real in the room. I mean, the atmosphere begins to change. There have been moments on tour when I just stood there, like what you're talking about. I looked out, but what I was looking at was God's presence. And I just said, man, I get it. Why David said, look, I'm only asking you for one thing. Just let me live in your house, okay? Forever. That's all I ask. I just want to be near you because all those insecurities, they run away in in the light of who he is. You know, we find out who we really are in the light of who he is. You know, our egos are put into place, you know, in light of who he is. You know, when he's there, it's like the old song says, and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. You know, his presence changes everything. We have seen people, you know, who write back in later and they've been healed of some kind of disease. We see people who talk about, you know, baggage emotionally that they've carried around for years and years and years and years. And then in that moment when his presence comes and they leave it all there and they they leave, they're not even the same person anymore. You know, I love that, man. That is addicting. And that is our mission. That's our mission. Not at a concert, at the grocery store. I mean, wherever we are, you know, he wants to love people through us. And you don't have to, you don't have to close the deal for God. You don't have to somehow bring them in. Man, just love them. You don't have to have any agenda other than like, man, I'm just a carrier of the love of God. And I just want to let that out wherever I am. I just want to, I just want to pour out his love. I want him to pour out his love through me 
wherever I am. That makes all the difference because people are hungry for that. People are dying and bleeding. They're just, mm, you know? And his love, I'm telling you, brings healing and brings life. And that's what draws people to him, you know? We could have this conversation all day. I know, I thought I was going to. Sorry, I kind of was going (laughs) on and on there. It's it's great. It's wonderful. I just want to ask you one last question. Yes. For somebody who wants to go to a Big Daddy Weave gig, what can they expect? Come to America. No, no, there's a, we need to... Hang on, I'm coming in your suitcase. That's it, that's it. It's so good. Um, well, you know, we just want to, we want to host an environment, you know, foster an environment where it's okay for people to all of the, all of the ways that we just try to hold it together all of the time, you know, and we feel like we're just exhausting ourselves throughout the work week or whatever, just trying to keep it together, right, to do our thing. We just want a, a place where all of that... We can just have a giant exhale from all of that, you know, and to find a place where we we get the man just pour out his love in songs. You know, we love we love getting to sing. We love getting people to sing along. We always get the words up there. You know, the lights are fun. It's like it looks like a concert. It's not really what it is, but it looks like that. Right. And um, we want people to have a good time with the music, but really the music is just a means to get to this moment where it's like, oh God, you're here, you are here. And just to celebrate him and all that he brings with him. You know, I was thinking about that, that so many times because of our need, we want to, we want to seek out the things that, you know, I don't know what, I've got a sickness in my life. I want, I need healing. I'm seeking healing. Well, here's the deal. Jesus said this, seek first his kingdom and his rightness, walking rightly with him. And then all these other things will add it because when he comes, healing is in him. You know, when he comes, deliverance is, is in him. Everything that, that is a byproduct of God comes when he shows up. So now we're learning to pursue his presence. And that's what we want people to have an encounter with God at the shows when they come, you know, and maybe just a, a, a night to just to let go of the stress. Right. And so I hope that's what happens anyway. That's that's I'm the sure goal. it is. Well, yeah. maybe I need to come and experience it. <laughs> you do. I'm telling you, we've been talking about that since the beginning here. You need to come. You could just be on tour. We'll save you a bunk. You can have there you can come go. on tour with Big Daddy Weave. I could I could be the, the tea maker. I could introduce some English tea. I can make the tea for you. I can get the biscuits right. I can teach you how to dunk the biscuits. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. And we'd be forever grateful to you. I know. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's been great having you here. And we hope you have a safe flight back as well. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Stephanie. This has been really neat. No problem. Come down anytime you want. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio.